0: So thankful that you're here this morning. If you're able to stand with us this morning, uh, would you stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 7. You're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. Want to begin reading, and we're going to come back and give the context. I always like to give the context of Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse number 24. And it reads, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And you know of this story, this account, as the, uh, the two builders, the wise man and the foolish man. And uh, we often in vacation Bible school would sing the song, The wise man built his house upon the rock. And, and uh, the children learned that from a very young age. And, and it's a, a tremendous lesson, a tremendous uh, principle And yet often, I think we we read through it and we know the story, but we don't know the story. And uh, so here this morning, we're going to look into the background and uh, look at the details and give you the context. And then we're going to make an application of that context here this morning unto us. And so if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And would you pray today that God's way would be done in this service? We sure do need to hear from the Lord. And every time we gather together and open the word of God, we recognize it's vain unless God speaks to our hearts. And Father, we thank you this morning for your very presence in this place. And Lord, thank you for this privilege here today to open up the Word of God. And Lord, we're always mindful that you know every detail in every heart. And as Miss Rachel just sang, and Lord, we cannot escape that everlasting love. And Lord, it's not by accident that any individuals here today. And Lord, you've got a purpose and a plan. And Lord, we pray that you would take your word and minister your word at the very point of need by your spirit. Lord, would you be uplifted and exalted here in this service this morning. And we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And we pray this in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning. Now, as we have been going through the parables and the word of God, uh, you have probably noticed that Jesus often taught by way of contrast. He would take opposing situations and he would mold them together to teach life lessons. Uh, In our context or in our account here this morning, we read of a wise man that built his house upon a rock and uh, we read of a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. Now the storms came into both lives. Uh, We live in a very sinful world. Uh, We live in a world of storms. You're not going to escape life. Without going through a storm, you're going to face some difficulties. That's a part of life in a sinful world. And so both the wise men, both the foolish men face the storms of life. Uh, The Bible tells us in both accounts, the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. Uh, Of the wise men, we read, it beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But of the foolish man, we read, it beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. As we read through the account, there's one major difference outside of the fact that one was wise and one was foolish. And Jesus draws our attention to this difference. You see, both heard the word of God. The Lord pointed that out. The wise man Heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them. He was obedient to the word of God. Uh, the foolish man, Heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. He was disobedient. Now we're going to come back to this thought here in just a moment. And, and uh, really, uh, our thought today is to be a doer of the word, and not a hearer only. But I think it's very important for us to gain the context of the scripture. Now remember, this is the, the last part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. I think the greatest message that has ever been preached by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we read in Matthew chapter 7 as uh, we, we conclude this Sermon on the Mount in verse number 28. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, Jesus is God. And there's just something different. There's something about Jesus. And those that heard Jesus teach and preach said there's, he's different than the scribes. He has and authority, we understand his authority is the fact that he's the creator of all the universe. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He has all wisdom. He has all knowledge. He has all power. And, and so Jesus taught with that authority. Now, I want you to notice a, a, a word, verse 24, and this is always important. We read in verse 24, therefore, and we've said this many times. When the word therefore comes into the Scripture, you look back and see what it's there for. And so you always go back to get the context of the Scripture. So what is the context? What is the previous thoughts? And as we look back at the previous teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, He's giving a very strong warning, and His warning is concerning true salvation. And it's evident as we go through the Scriptures that many... Religious people will be lost. If you go back to Matthew, and we won't do this, but we taught recently on Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins. We saw that five of the virgins were wise and five were foolish. We saw that all ten of the virgins took a lamp with them. As they waited for the return, they waited for the bridegroom, the return of the Lord. And we saw the difference between the wise and the foolish. The wise took the lamps. They had oil in their lamps. And the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God. True salvation is a miracle. It's a new birth. All of us are filthy sinners apart from God. And it's only a new birth that can change the heart of man. So five wise had true salvation, five foolish had no oil. They had a form of godliness, they had the lamp, they had no new birth, no salvation. Now that's kind of the context of Matthew chapter 7. I want you to go back to verse number 13, Matthew 7 verse 13. In Matthew 7 verse 13 the statement is, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And it's very clear that the way of destruction is broad, and as Jesus taught, there were more lost than there were saved. And The way of life is narrow, and we understand this morning there's only one door of salvation And that door is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not religion. It's not Valley Bible Baptist Church. It's not a preacher or a priest. And it's not your good works. But salvation isn't a person. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the door. It's the way of grace. On the cross he cried, it is finished. The price is paid. It's paid in full. Now that's a narrow road because most of the world wants to earn their salvation by their own works. And that's an impossibility because our very best is as filthy rags before a holy God. If you could do it without Jesus Christ, there would have been no need for Jesus to leave the glory of heaven and to enter into this world. If there was a way of salvation outside of Jesus Christ, there would have been no need for Jesus to come. I've got news for you, he's the only dog, he's the only way. Then we go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. Matthew 7 verse number 15, there's a warning about false prophets. He said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. On the outside they look good, but they teach a false way of salvation. And again, it would be a salvation through religion. He says in verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And it would be the fruit of their doctrine. And Paul the apostle warned in Galatians chapter 1 that uh, if a man or any man preached any other gospel, than that which you have heard, which is the death, the burial, the resurrection, the finished work of Jesus Christ. He said, let him be accursed. You notice in verse 17, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Can I say, as in verse number 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. In reality, apart from Jesus Christ, all of us are sinners, and all of us are corrupt, and we're lost without Christ. The tree is bad. The tree is corrupt. Only a new birth can change the heart. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. It's Christ in you, the hope of salvation. And so there's this warning. He says in verse 20, By their fruits you shall know them. Then we go to verse number 21. In verse 21, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so in the context, many religious people will be lost, even those that use the Bible, and they spoke of Jesus Christ. Now, There's the key statement, and we've drawn attention to this on several several occasions. Verse 23, he says, then will I profess unto them, and this is key, I never knew you. Uh, It's not that you were saved and then you lost it. No, they were never saved. There was never a new birth. Uh, They had religion, had a form of godliness, even maybe a knowledge of the Bible and a knowledge of Christ, but no relationship with Jesus. We have the testimony of that in the life of Judas Iscariot that betrayed the Lord. He was never saved. He was lost. Now that's the context. And that's an important context. So we go to verse 24. Therefore, in light of this teaching that you've just heard, there's no in-between. Every person here today is either saved or lost. There's no in the middle. Every person either has a relationship with Jesus, a new birth, or there's no salvation. In this context, it's the reference to salvation. I want you to keep your place, and if you would for just a moment, go with me to the Gospel of John, and then we're coming back to Matthew chapter 7, John chapter 6. In John chapter 6 verse number 27 John chapter 6 verse 27 John 6 and verse number 27 It reads labor not for the meat which perisheth for that meat which endureth uh, but for that meat which endureth to everlasting life which the son of man shall give you for him hath god the father sealed. Then said they unto him what shall we do that we might work the works of god Jesus answered and said unto them This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. That's salvation. To put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. In verse number 40, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, salvation is in Christ and it's putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done that gives us that key to heaven. If I have to depend upon myself or my works, I'm a mess. I'm a sinful being. But Jesus is perfect, He paid the price, He cried, It is finished. And the work that the Father requires is that we put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. So the context of our parable, going back to Matthew chapter 7, the context is in reference to salvation. The wise man built his life upon Christ upon a new birth. The foolish man Heard the word of God, but was never saved. And the Bible speaks of the foolish man built upon sinking sand. Uh, And the storms came, and great was the fall of that house. The most horrible thing in all of the world would be to be lost for all of eternity. Lost without Jesus Christ. That's a horrible thought. And especially considering that God offers a free gift in Jesus Christ. Now, that's our context. Now, I believe that salvation produces a changed life. We've said it this way. Salvation will change your heart. It will change your life. Salvation will produce fruit. Now, we're not saved by the fruit. We're saved by trusting Christ. And, and we might say faith is the root, and then works become the fruit. The result of salvation is a life pleasing unto the Lord. And so what we want to, to make this morning is an application, and I want to relate this thought to the wise man and to the foolish man and to their obedience to the Word of God. Again, both heard the Word of God. The wise man heard the word of God, he obeyed. The foolish man heard the word of God, he did not obey. James chapter one puts it this way, "But be you doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving, Your own selves. If any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. He beholdeth himself, he goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Okay. How many of you now know in your mind what you look like? You forgot, didn't you? You can't picture your own self in your mind. That's what the Bible said. If you're not a doer of the word, you soon forget the word. He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I want to take that thought and just build some simple thoughts this morning. I see the expectation of obedience. God expects obedience. God expects us not only to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Uh, God expects us to put the word of God into application. How many times I've heard somebody give an excuse for not coming to Christ, and their excuse is, well, I saw the life of a particular person that claims to be a Christian, and they're a hypocrite. There's no reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Friend, the word of God and the relationship with Jesus Christ ought to change us. See, it's not how much you know that matters, but it's what you do of what you know that makes the difference. The Pharisees of Jesus' day were very knowledgeable. They were Bible believers, but Jesus called them hypocrites because they said one thing and they did another thing, and he often rebuked them for that. Throughout the word of God, he stressed the importance of obedience. The first generation of the children of Israel were brought to the brink of the promised land. And God said to that generation that they were to go in, but they rebelled against God. They said, "There are giants in the land. We're but like grasshoppers." It was uh, Caleb and Joshua that said, "If God be for us, we can do it." But they rebelled against God. They spent that generation 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because of disobedience to God. The next generation, and for the sake of time, we're not going to look at it this morning, but Moses, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, brought them again to the edge of the promised land. And Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, gives them a last charge before Joshua would take them on in. And uh, he placed in that last charge this thought of obedience. And he said to them that if they would be obedient to the Word of God, hearken to the Word of God, that they would be blessed, and they, uh, their lives would be blessed as they entered into the city, and their families would be blessed. And, but he said if they did not obey, that there would be the curse. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter number 28. He said you're to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Before Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, Joshua was given a very similar charge. God said to Joshua, This book of the law, the Bible, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then God said, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That's Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. And God blessed the life of Joshua because of his obedience. As we read through the book of Judges and the Old Testament, there's stories of the ups and downs of the children of Israel. During times of obedience, they had the blessings of God. But during times of disobedience, there was the curse that came upon their lives. Later, we read of the good kings and the bad kings, and the thing that distinguished the good kings and the bad kings was their obedience to the word of God. And here we come to the New Testament and this story of the wise man and the foolish man. Emphasis is placed upon being doers of the word, not hearers only. And that was the difference between the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man was a doer of the word. The foolish man was disobedient to the word. So we have the expectation of obedience. I want you to think for a moment about the expression of obedience. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And uh, I want you to keep your place in the book of John, John, chapter 14. See, obedience expresses our love. John 14, verse 15, Jesus spoke to his disciples. And he simply stated this. If you love me, Keep my commandments. Now that applies to our relationship with Christ. If we truly love Him, we will obey Him. Uh, Parents, uh, I don't know if you've ever told your children this. I I expressed this to my children a few times. Uh, Children, if you love me, you're going to obey me. If you love your parents, uh, you will seek to honor your parents, seek to be obedient to your parents. I remember very well as a boy. Uh, this thought, I was so thankful for my parents, so so thankful for the heritage. I, I loved my parents, and I wanted to obey my parents. Now, I can't say that I always obeyed. I was a stinker little boy, and there were times I, I didn't obey, but I can remember often thinking I wanted to honor my parents. I wanted my parents to be proud of me. I wanted to please my parents. I loved them dearly. We read of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ sought always to honor his father. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And do you remember the statement as Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? This is my beloved son, the father said, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was always obedient to his father. He was obedient unto death. Why? He loved the father. Obedience expresses our love. Look in John 14, verse 21. Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, will manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered, Said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, we will come unto him, Make our abode with him. See, a wise man loves the Lord and he proves his love for the Lord through obedience to the Lord. It's very simple. If we know something to be the will of God for our lives, then we are accountable to be obedient to that. If God's word gives us direction and his spirit confirms that direction and directs us in accordance with the word of God, we're to obey. obey. And not only if it's convenient or if it's easy, but regardless, that's a wise man obedient to the Lord. Obedience expresses love. Obedience expresses faith. I'd like you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We call this the faith chapter. We will be coming back to Matthew 7 and to John. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8 in the life of Abraham. And it reads, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. The Bible says of Abraham that he obeyed God, he did so in faith. Abraham could have had many excuses. He was comfortable in the land of Ur of the Chaldees. His family was there. His job was there. His possessions were there. The Lord came to him at the age of 75. He could have said, but I'm an old man. But uh, the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And I want you to go to a place that I will show thee. And Abraham obeyed, not knowing whither he went. We spoke recently about this faith of Abraham. He trusted God he obeyed when he did not know where, he obeyed when he did not know when, Uh, God has promised him a son, and he's 75 years of age, and he waited for 25 years for that son, and then he obeyed when he did not know how, how can a 100 year old man and a 90 year old woman have a child, and it's a miracle of God, the same miracle that brought about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He obeyed when he did not know how. And then in Genesis chapter 22, he obeyed when he did not know why. God said, Abraham, I want you to take that son, that only son. I want you to offer him a sacrifice. And Abraham obeyed God, and we know the story. God said, Abraham, no, don't do it. I just wanted to see your obedience. Here, God is sovereign. He knows all things. He sees the full picture. sees the future. When the wise man built his house upon a rock, the Lord could look ahead to the future and see a storm. When the foolish man built his house upon the sand, the Lord could look ahead and see the storm. And so the Lord, let him have his way with thee. We sang this morning, his way is always best. And if you can learn to trust God, even when you don't understand what God is doing, God is always right. My life verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When I surrendered as a junior in high school to being a preacher, I had no idea that I would be in Española, New Mexico. Now I'd heard Española stories. And had I known at that point that I would be here, I might have said no to the Lord at that point. But I'm sure glad that God knew the full picture. Uh, what God wanted for me was simple obedience and trust. I'm sure thankful that when God took me to college, he knew that there was a beautiful young lady going to be there. And the Lord put it all together. Our job is to trust and obey. Obedience proves our faith. It proves our trust. We have the expectation of obedience. God expects your obedience. We have the expression. It expresses love. It expresses faith. Now, a last thought this morning that's so important, the evidence of obedience. The evidence of obedience is God's blessing. The wise man obeyed, the storms came, the house stood. The foolish man disobeyed, the storms came, the house fell. Obedience to God always leads to God's blessing. I want you to go back again to the life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Just a couple of quick thoughts. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Genesis 12, verse number 1. We read about this in Hebrews 11. More detail given to us in Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, to a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing." I will bless them that bless thee, curse him, that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed. What did he do? He obeyed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And then we come to verse number 7. As he obeyed God, he came to that land. And in verse number 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? There builded he an altar to the Lord who appeared unto him. So Abraham obeyed. And when he arrived where God told him to go, the Lord met with him. Then we go to Genesis chapter 22, I think the pinnacle of Abraham's obedience. God blessed Abraham after 25 years with this son of promise. And in Genesis chapter 22, God says to Abraham, now this son is a lad, a child. God said, Abraham, I want you to take that son and offer him. As a sacrifice, Hebrews tells us that he did so by faith, knowing this was the son of promise that God would give him back to him in a resurrection. And it pictures the resurrection of Jesus. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham took three days to travel to the place that God showed him, and then Abraham showed his faith and proved his faith, God said, no, Abram, don't do it. But I want you to go to verse number 15. And you'll see here this evidence, this blessing of obedience. Genesis 22, verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, what does God say? That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, As the sand which is upon the seashore, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Abraham obeyed, and God blessed. The wise man is obedient to God. The wise man is obedient to the will of God. The wise man is obedient to the Spirit of God. See, obedience produces the blessings of God. Now listen, you will never know God's blessing in disobedience. You will never know it. As you look at the blessings of God, uh, the blessings of God produce Christian growth. In the life of Abraham, Abraham was not always filled with faith. You can read of times that Abraham doubted. He doubted in Genesis 15. He's been waiting for the son. The son has not come. And Abraham doubted the Lord, and yet God spoke again. And Genesis 16, Abraham took matters into his own hands, and he doubted. We have the story of Hagar, and we have uh, the Ishmaelites, and Isaac, and the conflict that resulted. It was really Abraham's disobedience. And Abraham now is growing in his faith as he's learning the importance of obedience to God. And then we come, as we read in Genesis chapter 22, through obedience, Abraham would grow in faith. It's interesting of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read of his obedience. Remember the story in Luke chapter 2? Jesus is 12 years of age and his family has traveled to Jerusalem for the special feast and Then his family left the city, and they look around, and Jesus was not there with them. So they had to travel back to Jerusalem. They found Jesus in the temple. He was there uh, really teaching the priests in the temple. And here was Jesus, and they marveled, a 12-year-old boy, with all of his wisdom. And if you look back on that account, uh, Mary says, Jesus, why why did you do this? And remember the words of Jesus, "Know you not that I must be about my father's business. I've got to be obedient to my Father. Interestingly, the Bible says at the end of that thought that Jesus increased in knowledge and wisdom and in stature. His obedience to the Father produced growth. And obedience will always produce growth. We grow through obedience. I was saved in junior high, but I was not biblically baptized until my junior year, the day before my junior year in high school. And there were several years I really did not grow as a Christian, but when I stood forth and obeyed the Lord to follow my Lord in believer's baptism, I still remember the joy in my heart as I said to my family and friends and football buddies that I was going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And My baptism was like crossing the bridge turning around and burning the bridge behind me, I didn't want to go back to the other side. It was that step of obedience that began a process of Christian growth. As you read your Bible, most of us know enough to succeed in the Christian life. If you'll just do the things that you know to do, you can grow. Just reading your Bible every day. Spending time every day in prayer sharing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, witnessing, uh, involved in giving, involved in serving the Lord. A wise man is obedient, and through obedience we grow. There's Christian growth. There's Christian fruitfulness. Go to John chapter 15. I'm going to wrap this up very quickly. John chapter 15, this passage speaks of abiding in Christ. John 15, verse number 4. He said, "Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing." To abide means to dwell. To abide with Jesus, and He says, "In abiding of the Lord, without Him you can do nothing, but as you abide in Him, you bear fruit." In verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now notice verse number 10, the importance of obedience. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 14, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Obedience is necessary if we are to abide in the Lord, and abiding is necessary if we are to produce fruit in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so through obedience, we have Christian growth. We have Christian fruitfulness. And through obedience, there's Christian character. Notice uh, the character of love, verse number John 15 and verse number 9. John 15, verse number 9. He says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. He said in verse number 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. It's through obedience that that love of Christ is produced in our hearts. Notice in John 15, verse number 11, uh, we have the fruit of joy, this character of joy, these things, He said, have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. Uh, Do you realize the Lord wants you to have a joyful, abundant Christian life? He doesn't want you just to exist. Uh, So many Christians are miserable, and the most miserable person in the world is a Christian out of the will of God. But when we are obedient to Christ, His joy can be reflected out of our life. The joy of the Lord can be our strength. Go to John chapter 16. Uh, You see, as you abide, as you live in obedience, there's the love of Christ and the joy of the Lord that's produced. In John 16, verse 33, you can have peace. Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. What does he say? In the world you shall have tribulation. There are storms that are going to come. Uh, The rains will descend. The floods will rise. Jesus said in that midst of The storm in me, you can have peace. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, Storms will come our way if we're out of the will of God. If we're disobedient, the storms, you can have no peace in the midst of the storm. I was thinking, and Brother Ho mentioned as we're doing this prayer chain, he was using Acts chapter 12. And I was thinking about Stephen. Stephen uh, was in prison. Uh, James had already been slain with the sword. Now Peter the next day is going to be, is going to be killed by Herod. And I'm reading about Peter as the church is praying for him. Here's Peter in prison. The next day he's going to be killed, and he's asleep. How many of you would be asleep if you're gonna know knowing that you're gonna die the next day? Tell you how he was able to sleep. He was in the will of God. He was at peace. He was right. He had nothing for which to be ashamed of. He he was not in prison because he deserved to be there. He was in prison for doing the will of God. And he could rest. He could be at peace. See, when we are obedient to the Father, it produces the fruit of the Spirit, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance. Christian character is produced by God's Spirit as you're in the will of God, abiding, in the will of God. And I, I want to close with a, with a thought. Last week, we dealt with forgiveness. If you're saved, we're commanded to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. I did not deserve Christ's forgiveness. If you knew my life growing up, you wouldn't let me be your preacher. I came to Jesus Christ, he forgave me. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It was his gift. And He says now, as he has forgiven me, I'm to grant that forgiveness unto others. That's a choice. It's something that Jesus has to do in you and through you, and only he can do it. There are two builders. All of us are building. You're either a wise builder or you are a foolish builder. The wise builder was saved. The foolish builder was not saved. The most foolish thing that anyone can do is to reject the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. He's the only door and only through Christ can you be forgiven and saved. And then after salvation, we're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. But after salvation, the Lord produces out of our lives the works, the fruits of the Lord. And the wise builder is obedient to the known will of God. He's a doer of the word of God. The foolish hears, but he doesn't do. The question for you this morning in closing, where do you fit? Are you the wise man that built his house upon a rock, salvation in Christ? Are you the foolish man when the storms come, great will be the fall of it? Are you the wise man who seeks to be obedient to the known will of God? Are you the foolish man you hear, but you don't put into application? What God gives, every one of us fits in one of those categories. Let's have for a moment every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. You've been a wonderful audience.